Hey there, I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Dear Diary. Sixth grade. February 14th. 1991. I am really depressed. How could she break up with me? Mom, you can't read this. I just saw him one day and he looked so beautiful to me. And it just, because we never spoke, it let this fantasy grow. And it it sort of was like, you know what? You might overlook him, but I see something there. He was private. He was smoldering. He was uh, untouchable. There are few things sexier than attraction born out of mystery. And all these rumors were swirling around about him, that he was a model and he was a drug lord. It gives one's imagination a chance to run wild. And before you know it, the fantasy completely overwhelms the not-so-sexy reality. I would often sit near the trash can, for example, um, on the right side of the cafeteria, because that's where he often was, cleaning. (laughs) It's very visceral for me. I'll always just remember him wiping the tables in this circular motion and not talking to anyone and just in his own world. From PureX and Radiotopia, this is the Mortified Podcast. I'm Neil. Today, the second installment of our three-part series on Forbidden Crushes. Last week in part one, we featured a teenager's infatuation with the vice principal, one of high school's most revered authority figures. Today, the story of another girl who fell for what is usually the least revered adult in school. Undaunted by the judgment of others, Rachel Goldberg was absolutely convinced she had discovered, deep in the bowels of the boiler room, her very own goodwill hunting. I just really wanted male attention. (laughs) And I just wasn't getting it the way that I wanted from high school boys. So I was seeking a hot relationship with an outsider. Luckily, at my school, there was someone who fit just the bill. Joe, the janitor. (laughs) November 19, 2003. I need a guy. Desperately. 
I've resulted to Joe, the janitor. But actually, Joe is higher than my normal standards. So never mind. Wow, is he amazing. He cleans the tables so well. With that tantalizing look in his dark, deep eyes. Once I'm sure of his last name, I can... I can write Rachel, insert his actual last name here, all over my notebooks. He's so smoldering. Damn it. And I will conclude here since I need to write a speech on black feminism. December 11th, 2003. One of the best parts of my day, Joe the janitor has returned. Oh, Joe, so smoldering. He was wearing all black today. So I'm walking in the cafeteria with Taylor and Sarah, and so I walk in, following Taylor to the vending machines. And all of a sudden, Right in front of me is Joe. I was so happy. I immediately turned around and said way too loudly to Sarah, Gah! <laughs> in me language, that translates to, there's Joe the janitor. He has returned. I'm infatuated. Did you see him just now with his daring deep eyes? So I'm looking forward to lunch tomorrow, assuming he's not on probation again tomorrow. <laughs> My theory is that he was on probation for a week or two, either that or he was at a modeling school in the Bahamas. And you know, wiping up the tables had to wait. When Calvin Klein demands underwear models, they need to always be on call to just pick up and leave. So he's back, meaning lunch, already the best subject in school, will be just that much better. December 16th, 2003. Sarah and I go into the cafeteria, and who passes us but Joe, the janitor. So as non-discreet as I am, I turned around to point to Sarah that Joe just walked by. So I spin around and my arm flies out of control and hits Joe's ass. That's right. I hit Joe, the janitor's ass. Oh my God. I have never been more embarrassed in my life. Sarah started cracking up and had to walk away, <laughs> leaving me there face to face with the love of my life, <laughs> Joe. Just me, Joe, and the devil hand. <laughs> so 
So what do I do with this opportunity? I say, um, sorry, ha, 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 ha. My hand must have slipped away from myself. That's right. I said, my hand slipped away from myself. What the fuck? That's not even a coherent sentence. Joe smiled, absolutely terrified, and walked away, crushing my heart with each step. So the dream of Mrs. Joe Bastianelli is gone. We will never have that beautiful house with two lovely, goth, clean, hot model children. Not like I've thought about it or anything. March 10th, 2004. I had my third dream with Joe the janitor last night, and I'm taking that to mean something very desperate and sad. There's just something not right with fantasizing about the possible murderer slash undercover cop slash model and or cocaine dealer janitor. No, it's not right at all. But Joe, ugh, melts so Joe can mop me up. <laughs> April 7th, 2004. News updates. I've given up on the entire male population. That's right. They failed me as far as I'm concerned. I am now fairly certain they are a completely different species. A separate, unemotional, insensitive, loud, improper, bitchy, macho, annoying, excessive curse-wordy, constant need to impress everyone entity on their own. So for now, I've given up. That's it in capital letters. <laughs> they can all go to a special school. <laughs> and until I need them to repopulate the earth, they can stay there and swap manly stories to impress each other, except for Joe the janitor. He can stay and maybe select others, but they will be displayed in a glass container <laughs> in the middle of the hallways for our viewing pleasure. Ha, now who are the objects? <laughs> Woo, feminism all the way. Ugh, men. A parenthetical. I wouldn't actually objectify them that way. <laughs> August 24th, 2004. School can honestly go fuck itself. 
actually, no, because school sucks so bad, it doesn't deserve a sexual partner in any manner. (laughs) You know what I find strange is the lies overachievers will tell you. Like you say, I hate school. And they say, ugh, same. (laughs) And you're just like, no, you don't. (laughs) You have straight A's and enjoy studying. Go back to your yearbook committee. You fucking bastard. These people thrive on school. The rat to their bubonic plague, if you will. (laughs) Sorry, I'm taking AP Euro. And it is a piece of fuck. (laughs) April 7th, 2005. I realized I haven't been in an actual relationship in a while. This makes me want to... A, throw myself on Mr. Cohen. That was my history teacher. B, throw myself on Joe the janitor. C, eat lots and lots of ice cream. D, produce a lifetime movie titled Eating Feminism. My life and love, ice cream. The true story of Laura Lynn Baker Stewart. Laura Lynn Baker Stewart is codenamed for Rachel Goldberg. Or E, have an orgy with Mr. Cohen and Joe the janitor. But recently, I've just felt myself wanting to be with someone who actually cares about me and about what I have to say. I think this is normal. (laughs) Right? Maybe I'm just expecting too much since we're in high school or I don't deserve that type of thing right now. (laughs) But isn't it just natural to want to be with someone who actually cares about you in some way? Maybe I'm wrong, because lately I've been around people who just fuck everything in sight and seem totally fine and normal. (laughs) August 28th, 2005. The reason school sucks is that I have a crush on absolutely no one. (laughs) Like, not even just a random hot guy in the hall to stare at. And to make matters worse, I don't think Joe the janitor is working at school anymore, which I'm really depressed about. Joe can't be found. September 21st, 2005. This morning, I left my house early, and it was then that I remembered the wise words Rachel Hoffman left me with before she went to college. Joe the janitor works at Starbucks in the mornings now. I tried to go a few times, but he wasn't there. But today, holy shit, mother, he was. And I was prepared.
I knew exactly what to do. Hi, didn't you work at the high school? My name is Rachel. I repeated it over and over in my head. It was so perfect. I ordered my drink from the bitch woman who gets to work with him. and watched Joe's beautiful hands mix my drink together in high-calorie goodness. <laughs> He looks classy now. Smooth glasses, hair slicked back, no eyeliner. <laughs> Either way he decides to appear, he looks fuckalicious. And then the glorious interaction happened. Joe, skim chai tea lot me, thanks! <laughs> And I run out of the store. So we weren't really introduced, but by the end of the year, he's bound to at least recognize me and forget about my overexcited seventh grader remarks. So as the following summer approached, I thought I should find a summer job. And where better to work than at Starbucks with Joe the janitor? <laughs> Places I'm applying to. Gap body so I can get discounts on bras. Victoria's Secret so I can get discounts on bras. Renaissance theaters, because everyone works there, and I have no soul, and I need a job. <laughs> Starbucks, because Joe the janitor works there, and my quest to seduce him is unabating and eternal. <laughs> so I didn't get the Starbucks job. <laughs> I know, I was devastated about it. But instead, I got a job waitressing at a subpar Pan-Asian restaurant in town. And that was okay, because I wound up instantly developing a crush on my manager. <laughs> and it led me to realize that I had a complex for lusting after figures in vague positions of authority. <laughs> That was Rachel Goldberg, reading aloud her childhood writings with no embellishing, no exaggerating, just God-given awkwardness, in Brooklyn at Littlefields. And now, there's more to the story, as we caught up with Rachel in our post-mortem fight. And the very first thing we wanted to know was exactly how long did her infatuation with Joe the Janitor last? I had a crush on Joe the janitor for years, <laughs> and the diary spans basically from when I'm 14 to 18, and he's mentioned over 80 times, so it was a long crush. And in all that time, aside from ordering drinks at Starbucks, did Rachel try anything else to grab Joe's attention? I did dress up as a goth for Halloween <laughs> in the hopes that that might attract him. Again, not one stitch of progress was made. We couldn't help but wonder, if Joe the Janitor was as hot as Rachel insists in her journals, why weren't her friends into him too? Why was she the only one obsessed? 
I always kind of liked outsiders. I liked people who were a little bit rebellious. I came from a pretty homogenous town. So anyone who broke the framework in any way was was different and exciting to me. And so this janitor came who who broke that mold in a way, and I was immediately drawn to it. And I definitely think other people were confused by my love for him and fascination with him. But it made perfect sense to me. Like, he really was an outsider. He really did offer a glimpse into what might lie beyond our little suburban town. Of course, one of Rachel's favorite fantasies about leaving her hometown always included her favorite brooding janitor. I think the end result was he lets me into his world and we bust out of town, (laughs) like on his motorcycle. I learn what his story is. I'm the only one who can understand his story stuck by him through uh, all these years. And then, you know, we get married and have kids, which is sort of weird. And what if Joe bothered to remember her name from all those times he wrote it on a Starbucks grande cup? And suddenly coffee wasn't the only thing percolating. What would Rachel have done? I would have reciprocated. I was definitely not a conservative teenager. (laughs) I was really open to the world and really open to people and experiences. And even, you know, that sounds like a really lovely thing. It can be really dangerous and stupid when you're 16. And if he had in any way engaged with me, I would have like tried to take that to whatever extreme I could (laughs) and run with it. Uh, Yeah. That would have, uh, I mean, my poor parents. So, does she know what became of her mysterious janitor? I went away to college, and then when I came back the next summer, he wasn't working at Starbucks. And so the end of the story is that no one knows where he went. Like, I have his last name only from our yearbook, and I've tried to just see where he might be via Facebook or Google, and no one knows where he is. And and in a way, I'm, I feel good about that just because he was so mysterious. And the whole goal was let me break into his world. And it, it never came to fruition, but that's so fitting with who he was. Rachel spent five years as a teenager lusting after Joe the janitor. And in all that time, she could hardly muster a word. And now, more than a decade later, here she is sharing it all on this podcast. So we had to entertain the thought. What if Joe actually heard this? And if he did, is there anything else Rachel would like to tell him? Despite how creepy these entries may have seemed, I really feel like I was just a teenager hoping for something genuine. So if you're listening, I'm a fully sane adult who still would love to learn your story and learn who you are. To share the shame, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, or visit GetMortified.com to learn about Mortified State shows, books, films, and beyond. Click Participate, and who knows, maybe you'll appear on a future episode of this series. As many of you know, the Mortified Podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, which is made possible with support from the Knight Foundation and MailChimp, who celebrate creativity, chaos, and teamwork. If you'd like to support our podcast, we'd love that. Email sponsor at Radiotopia.fm. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Kathy Tu, Pierce Baselli, Dave Nadelberg, and myself, Neil Catcher. 
Shaban O'Malley, story produced this for the stage. Music by Gordon Bash, Alex Burke, Adam Smith, The Angel, Zoe Rose Palladino, and Snake Snake Snakes. Additional thanks to Lance Roberts Studios, Sasha Waldron, Eric Bass, Littlefields, and all the dedicated Mortified Live producers whose work make the stage show possible. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived.